Amen, amen, amen. All right. I know it's uh, the end of January, but God gave me this message several months ago, and I felt like it was going to be the sort of New Year's resolution message. I'm not big on resolutions. I'm, I'm usually anti-resolutions. I don't know, probably just because that's how I am. If everyone else is doing it, I think I'm not going to do it. So I've always been like, I'm not going to do a resolution. I can do a resolution any time of the year. But God spoke to me uh, sort of towards the end of, of the year. And so with that, I, this is going to be my uh, New Year resolution message that I hope you will take with you. Uh, God just began to speak to me about things that he, he wants uh, in my life to come to pass. And I'm hopefully hoping that you two uh, are, um, will be on the same page with me. So for me, I don't know about you, but I've decided it's time that I need to get my diet in check. As I reflect on last year, I've come to the realization that I've spent much too much time watching the news. You thought I was talking about something else. I'm just going to pretend y'all, y'all were on the same page as me. I've spent much too much time on social media. We get consumed by all the things that are going on, and we get distracted, and we lose our focus. And God was speaking to me that it's time to stir our hunger again. See, I, I just feel like it's time that my spiritual diet needs to be checked. I don't want to eat less. In fact, I want to consume even more, more of his presence, more of his word, more of him, more of his anointing. I just want more of him. Can I get an amen? See, I just feel something stirring in me. The thing you must catch hold of is when you feel God stirring, there's something you have to respond to. You can't just feel the stirring and then do nothing. See, we got to be deliberate about what God is wanting to do. So you must seize the moment. I've, in the past, I've spoken on Kairos. It's a God moment that he breaks in through the natural time, considering like the day, you know, we have hours, 25 hours a day. God breaks in. That is the Kairos time. So what God is just saying to us, that it's our moment that we need to stir our hunger again. See, I want this to be the hungriest year I've ever been in my life. See, if I'm honest, and I'm going to be, because that's my job, when I think about this last year, and I examine myself, which is what Scripture encourages us to do, if I think about, if I really take stock of the position of my heart towards God, whew, I have fallen short. I've missed those times of intimacy with Him. I've become distracted by everything that's going around me. It's not necessarily bad stuff, but I've let other things replace my time that I need to be spending with Him. He is to come first in our lives. See, I've allowed distractions, frustrations, and challenges to grab my attention. And when other things have our attention, we what? We lose our focus and it shifts to other things. See, I've allowed myself to be fed by things outside of Him. And we do that, it leads to a diet imbalance. Things are out of whack. So here's my challenge to all of you in this place and for all of us here in 2021. Can we aspire together to be hungry? I don't know if you heard me. Can we aspire together to be hungry? Can we aspire together to be hungry, to seek his face, to cry out for more? God has spoken that this church will see revival. We will not see revival lest we get hungry for his presence. Revival doesn't just happen. Yes, God can break through. But it always begins with the hunger stirred in people who are called to their knees and they pray and they see God move. 
See, it's so easy for us to get off track when we're fed a constant diet of doubt, fear, faithlessness, unbelief. It's in our culture. It's in the environment around us, everywhere we go. I mean, it's portable. It's on our phones. Breaking, 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 breaking. Everything is breaking, breaking. News breaking, breaking this. Nothing is breaking, but everything is breaking. So do I beat myself up over last year? Be miserable? Determine that it was a a waste? No, his grace is sufficient. See, I don't need to walk in, believe in, or think in condemnation or guilt or shame when it's his grace that leads us and unto repentance. See, it's his grace that opens our eyes to our lack and his grace shows us our need for him. You should not be discouraged when God shows you something that you need to get fixed in your life because it's his grace that shows you it in the first place and shows you that he cares to lead you to a new and better place. So let's hunger again. John 6, 35. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Bible. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry. And the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. Did you notice that? It's twofold. Comes to me and who believes. Which means really entrust your lives with him. You, you give all of yourself to him. Comes to me, comes to. There's a continual coming. It actually means to be in a committed and continual fellowship with him. See, oftentimes we find ourselves fatigued when we have lost our fellowship with him. Our fellowship with him has become broken. We've become distracted. See, but in our coming to him, that is just the first part. In addition, we must entrust our lives to him. That he is who he says he is. That he will do what he says he'll do. In Matthew 5, early in Jesus' ministry, he preaches one of the earliest recorded sermons, and it's commonly, you'll you'll know it as the Sermon on the Mount, or if you're a King James OG, you probably recognize it as the, the Beatitudes. See, but no matter what you call it, Jesus begins to teach the crowd of listeners about the kingdom. How does he begin? Have you ever thought about that? It's one of his first messages recorded. Have you thought about how it begins? Because how he begins tells a lot about where he's going. How you begin says a lot about where you were going. The beginning always lays a foundation for what is to come. Yes? So the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, look what he establishes. Matthew 5 and 1. We're going to start there. I'm going to read through this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples come to him. And he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, blessed. Do you get that? Jesus establishes it's a kingdom of blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when, you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. No one likes to hear that part. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven, and it is great. For in this same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. To me, that persecuted the prophets who were before you sort of feels like it's a foreshadowing of what's to come because now we are his prophets on the earth. We, we all have a prophetic nature, the, the spirit of prophecy inside of us. It's, it was, we were persecuted before it, so we are a prophetic people, or we are a prophetic church, and I believe we are called to that. See, when Jesus was giving this sermon, religion had become what was only attainable by the few, to those in the know, to the elite. See, religion had become a heavy burden upon the people, and Jesus came to lift off that burden. The commandments of God were never meant to be a yoke of heaviness to be put upon the people, but the commandments of God were there to lift people out of the slavery of sin. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. See, with my own life, I've allowed the things around me to begin to weigh me down, to begin to pull me down. Things have become heavy. But how does one find themselves being heavy burdened and loaded down with things? It's when we've stopped going to him. See, there's a continual process of I go to him, I go to him, I go to him, I go to him. When I need something, I, I turn to him, I go to him. With all things, there's a constant coming to, I return to him. See, I want my life to be marked by hunger, hunger for him, hunger for intimacy, hunger for presence, hunger for prayer, for expansion, all those things, I want to be hungry for him. And for that to happen, I've got to make adjustments. I can no longer allow things to distract me. Because the truth is, when, when we say, I just don't have time to do this, that's just an excuse. If I have time to whip out my phone and look at Facebook, or look at Instagram, or look at the news, or look at Twitter, then I've got time to pray. I've got time to read the Word. I mean, it's time we get back to the basics. But I've got to make adjustments. I've got to be diligent about it. I can't just think that it'll happen just because God says, I want you to hunger for me. And I go, that's great, God. What's next? And then I just move on about my, that's great. I'm sure it'll happen. Verse 6 is the, the, the key scripture here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. What I want to look at is the word blessed so that we have a working understanding of what blessing actually means. The Greek word is makarios. And it means when God extends his benefits towards man. Anybody wondering what I had this apple for? This is makarios. And I'm sure if, it, maybe you don't, you don't know, but you probably think that when I went to the store yesterday to pick up this, this apple, that I just grabbed a ran, random apple. No. No, that's not me. I went in, I thought, I want the best apple I can find. So I circled it around. I kept lifting all the apples up. One was too red. One was not red enough. They were kind of bruised and beat up. And I was like, I thought of myself as Jesus. You know, he's coming back for a spotless bride without blemish or wrinkle. And I thought, okay, much like God, I'm looking for that perfect, 
perfect apple. And then finally, I just gave it grace and thought, this is good enough. <laughs> Come on. If it wasn't for grace, okay. If it wasn't for grace, it's perfectly imperfect. Okay. So, here's what I, I want to demonstrate as what blessing is. I have this apple in my hand, and if I extend my arm out to give it to you, that is what makarios means. It's an extension of what God is offering, or it's just to extend. So if I'm extending it out, blessing is I've extended my, my arm out, but here's the, the point, is that y- blessing is not about circumstances, it's about position. If, if I'm not positioned there to receive the apple, then how am I going to be receive the blessing? See, it's not about if I got a larger house or a bigger income or if I got a new car or if I didn't or if I lost my job. See, that blessing doesn't mean it's taken away. It just means blessing is there. But you're always connected to blessing if you're standing there ready to receive what he's giving. So God always has the apple out ready for you. But our problem is, is that we, when we come around, we come around one time and then we skip it and then we maybe go another time and we think, God, where are you at? Well, the problem is he's always been right there, but we're about three steps away and we think, What's going on? What's going on? See, God always has his hand extended towards us. We just must be in a position to receive. See, the blessing of God isn't circumstantial, it's positional. He's done it all for us already. We just have to be in position to receive all that he has for us. See, he not only saves you, but sustains you. When Jesus was telling the crowd, about how they too could be blessed, if you understand the culture, that was revolutionary for them. I can remember back in, I'm going to date myself now, it's 1997, I was was visiting, at the time this was called the the Shepherd's Church, and there was a uh, youth ministry, young adult ministry called Generation Jesus, and I was visiting from out of state, I'd visited, spent a week here during spring break, and I have never been the same since God encountered me with his love in 1997. I was overwhelmed by his love. I didn't know that God could love you like that and you could equally love him in return. I had no idea. It changed everything about me. It was so revolutionary. I remember that for days I would just weep and weep and weep and I had no idea why. Now I know he was breaking heaviness off of me. He was breaking off a life of sin and shame and guilt. He was breaking off the old me and moving me into a new place. So I just wept, but I remember the I had grown up in church, but I had never encountered the love of God as I did on that week. It was amazing. See, that word to them was just as revolutionary. He was telling the crowd, you too can be blessed. See, in Greek culture, the word blessed had become synonymous with the rich or upper class. It was status. If you had a lot of wealth, you had attained blessed. It was almost like you were a godlike status. They would call you blessed. That was the culture. So considering that Jesus was saying to them was mind-blowing. He was telling them, as he often did, you have heard this, but I say this. It was a contradiction to what they had been taught or what they even believed. God was saying, no, no, things are going to become new. See, it leveled the playing field, so to speak. 
This new teaching opened them up to that it wasn't those who sat in the offices of government or owned vineyards or great mansions, though it could be, but there was a level playing field where those who were high had to come low, and those who were too low had to come high. See, there was a standard that he was setting out, and there were adjustments that needed to be made at every level. Now women, children, old, young, rich, poor, the sick, the healthy, the wise, and the foolish could come unto him, and they could enter and be a part of the kingdom of heaven. See, blessing can never be measured by what we see or what we possess, but only by his promises. See, just in the natural, if we look at what we eat, what we eat matters. There's a condition, it's called malnutrition. This is what happens when your diet doesn't contain the right amount of nutrients. It means you have poor nutrition, and it can cause a development in your body, which will be a failure to thrive or a slow growth. You have developmental issues, fatigue, weakness. Do those sound like they might be equal in our spiritual life? When we're, our diet is out of balance and we've been going to be fed by the new things, by news and media, and, and we've been fed by fear and doubt, our, our diets get out of balance and we get a, a place where we're malnourished. But see, let's look at the promise here again that's to us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So there's a promise to us that when we come to him, as often as we do, we will be made full. I've never known anyone to get hungry just once in their life and be satisfied. I've never seen it. I've never seen someone eat one meal as a baby and then never to eat again. See, we don't just eat once and then never eat again. It's like clockwork. The same time, every day, we could clock the times we're going to eat. The same goes for growing in the Lord. We can't just hunger for him once and never again. We must stay in a place of hungering. It's active, ongoing, continual. That's how we become satisfied. So are you feeling spiritually empty today? Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you ate spiritual food? Can't just come to service once a week. Can't listen to a sermon once a week or worship once a week and be fed spiritually and be satisfied. We've got to desire more. See, that's not a charge against anyone in here, but it's just for you to take account of your life and how often you actually are feeding your spirit rather than your soul. Our souls are constantly fed, constantly, without even trying. We're just inundated. The TV is always on. Everywhere we go, there's people talking. There's reports coming out. Without even trying, we are fed a constant barrage of news and media and, and this update and that update and this new thing and that new thing and this virus and that virus. Like we're, we're just fed a constant diet of things that can cause fear in our lives when we stop going to the source. But I've realized to feed our spirits, it requires intention. It just doesn't happen. As a kid, I was in biology. I hated biology class. And <laughs> thank you. I was in biology class, and of course, I was asleep. And my head was down on my book. And the teacher comes by, and she goes, you can't learn by osmosis. It's the same way with the Bible. It can't sit on our dresser. It can't sit in the other room. And we think, my Bible's right there. Well, if that Bible's there, the word's on the table. It's not in you. I mean, I'm just going to be even more honest. I had to go find my Bible yesterday. 
Like, I, I, I have the Bible on my phone and I read it. But I'm like, where is my Bible? I've lost it. And I had put it up in the closet. And I thought, dear God, when is the last time I broke this Bible out? Besides not reading it on, on my phone. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's time to get real. It's time to change our excuses. It's time to be fed on his word again. It's time to be fed by his words again. It requires intention. See, if, if we don't feed our spirits, our souls become well-fed, and our spirits are malnourished. Malnourishment leads to weak faith and a misunderstanding of Scripture and how to apply that to our life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That word hunger there actually means hungering. It's a continual state of being actively hungry, ongoing, always to be in a position to be hungry. God's extending it. You're there waiting for it. I'm here, God. I'm here, God. You said come to you. I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking you. I'm pursuing you, God. You said if I would come to you with this need that you would take care of it. And that he, as he always is extending his, 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 his favor, his blessing, his, his healing out to us, it's all there. We just got to be in position to receive it. See, it's ongoing. It's always to be in a position to be hungry. Think of it this way. The old adage of teenage boys, you know, most parents will say they will eat you out of house and home. I must still be a teenager. That, that, must, be my, that must be my problem. Robin knows what I mean. <laughs> See, we ought to always be hungry to stay in a place that we yearn for him, that we seek after him. See, we've always got to be going to him to be fed. See, this is a promise to us. God is saying, if you come to me, my hand is already extended, and you will have what you need. But I would be remiss if I didn't point out a pivotal piece to this promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. For they will be satisfied. You can hunger and thirst for unrighteous things, and guess what? you will be filled as well. But you will never be satisfied. See, the principle we must discern there, or the part we need to highlight, accent, or underline, and take away, is what are we feeding ourselves? See, if we seek after unrighteous things, we will be filled. But the key is we have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you're lost in sin, there's never a satisfaction that comes to your life. It's only when you go to him will we be truly satisfied. You can only be truly sustained when it's his righteousness that is sought after. Exodus 3.17 says this, So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. So he says, I will bring you up and out of the place of your affliction, a place where I will provide all that you could ever need or want, a place where you will never hunger or thirst again because I will be your supply. See, just like the Israelites, God desires to bring us up and out of our affliction. Whatever is causing you harm, pain, discomfort, or suffering, he will supply you with everything you need. You just got to come to him. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We've just got to go to the right place. We've got to go to him. Canaanite, Hittite, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivite, Jebusite, what are all those? Those were all enemies of the Israelites. Even in the presence of their enemies, God called them to prosper. See, to you in this room, it may feel like you're surrounded by an enemy on all sides, but in spite of what you feel or see, God has called you to prosper. The presence of enemies in your life does not equate the absence of God. He is still fighting on your behalf. Just because things aren't going like you thought, planned, or hoped does not mean that God is not still at work. It just means there may be some battles you've got to go through, but listen to this. The war has already been won. The victory is his already. See, we live in a contentious time in the natural We're surrounded by, at all times, a world, a system that is anti-Christ. But we are called to a position, a position to prosper and be in peace even in the presence of our enemies. See, the promised land represented all that God desired for his people. It represented what was accessible, attainable, a land flowing with milk and honey. See, it was a real physical place, but the destination was spiritual. It represented provision, peace, rest, reward. It represented a person. His name is Jesus. See, there's a process we go through. He must remove the heavy burden that sin puts upon mankind in order to lift us up. He gave them a hope and a future. I'm going to take you out of your current condition and remove all the obstacles and hindrances that are holding you down and back. And I'm going to take you to a much better place. That's what he told the Israelites. See, a place that flows. A place that flows. See, if I never think my circumstances will change, then I have no hope for a future. But the moment I hear my conditions may change, all of a sudden, I have hope. See, hope looks forward. Here's another takeaway that we can get from the Israelites. Even when surrounded by your enemies, they were never to be acquainted with fear. But rather, they were to trust and obey God and watch their enemies be scattered. Fear declares the outcome will be determined by my circumstances. Faith says, in spite of what I see, the outcome will be the Lord's. See, we are to never be aligned with fear but rather in sync with faith. Fear always dreads the outcome. Faith declares the outcome. Luke 1.53 says this, He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. So right there, we have a scriptural proof that money is evil, right? No. See, just like John was saying, rich doesn't always mean money. You can be rich in untold ways. You can be rich in mercy. You can be rich in love, rich in generosity. And you can also be rich in greed. You can be rich in hate. You can be rich in jealousy. You can be rich in in all sort of things. This, what they were saying here was the condition of their heart. See, they walked away 
because their hands were already full and desired no more. This is what we do to God. We don't come to him. We say, I've got it, God. I don't really need any help. See, our hands already have the apple. He's trying to give us his, his, his blessing, his favor, his freedom, his deliverance, but we've already got our hands full. Man, you really need to deal with that unforgiveness. No, 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 I'm good. I got, I got my hands full. See, I'm rich in my own ways. I'm rich in my own thoughts. I'm rich in, in, in my ideas. I've got my hands full. See, they went away empty because their hearts were already full. They had no need for more of God. How do we do this? When we have areas in our lives that we're unwilling to allow God to change or bring us to a place of truth, that's what we're doing. We're saying, I've got it, God. I've got it all together. In John 4.34, Jesus said this. I'm going to close with this. John 4.34, Jesus said this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Pretty straightforward. Our food is to do the will of him. We do the, we're called to obedience. We're called to listen to his voice and obey. Amen? So what now? Well, just like any diet change, it starts with one bite or one meal at a time or one day at a time. But I do know this. We must be deliberate in our decisions and disciplined in our determination. God wants us to be free like we've never been free before. He wants us to inherit all that he gave his life for. But we must pursue after him. We must be hungry for his presence, hungry for more of him. You guys stand to your feet. We're going to pray. Father, we want to hunger and thirst after you, God. Father, we don't want other things to grab our attention. We don't want other things to have our focus. God, we don't want to lose our way, God. We don't want to stumble at all, God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to tug at our hearts, God. Father, we know that in one day, things can't, well, they don't always change, God, but from one decision, things can, can begin to shift in our lives, God. So we make the decision today, God, to return to our place of surrender in you, God. Father, we want to hear your voice as ever before, God. We want to hear it so clear in our lives, God. Father, we want to hunger and thirst after righteousness, Lord. We want to truly be satisfied with what you bring us, God. Father, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we just want to seek your face this year. We want all of your promises in our life to come to pass, God. We want to see you high and lifted up, God. We want to see revival in Fort Bend County. God, we want to see people be transformed by your power. We want to see people's lives change. Lord, we want the lost to be saved, God. Father, let us be hungry after you this year, God. Let it be the start of new things in our life, God. Lord, we love you. We bless you. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen.